welcome to Hey Therapist. I'm your host, Leslie Ross. With me is my producer, Jay Wesley Lindley. Let's get mental. Welcome back to Hey Therapist. I am your host, Leslie, and we are broadcasting from the Washburn studio. We have all these nice, comfy chairs that I have to remember not to swivel or rock in, but it's amazing that they swivel and rock. Anyway, we just got finished with our series on the attachment styles and what that looks like for you and how to manage that and how to figure that out what style you are. We talked a little bit about love languages, so we've gotten those covered. So now we're going to talk about more of the negative things that come up in communication when we're in a relationship. And one of the other things that Chapman came up with is what he calls the four horsemen. And the four horsemen are criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. Today we're going to talk about those things. We're going to talk about what they look like and how you can kind of manage them. When we're talking about the four horsemen, they can really be pretty devastating on a relationship. And there's a lot of communication things that can cause some problems, but these really can lead to some increased conflict, decreased intimacy, you know, even divorce. It can be a real problem. First horseman we're going to talk about is criticism. And when we're talking about criticism, we're talking about a lot of different ways that you criticize your partner. Those generalizations, you know, you can say certain things like you never do anything or always do something. No one ever always does anything and no one never does anything. It's that completeness in your in your language. It's the catastrophizing. It's making everything bigger than it should be. You're not an always or never. You sometimes, maybe not enough, maybe too much, but most likely it is not always or never. And when you use that language, you put someone in a position to go, well, if you say that I do it all the time, then I'm gonna start doing it all the time because then people get, contempt and defensive and they do the things because you're accusing me of it so I'm gonna do it it's really important not to use that kind of language that always and never things also personal attacks you know if you have a partner and they may be struggling they may not be as active as you are they may not have the same mentality about things that you do but if you make statements to them like you're lazy and I've, I've had this said to me because I enjoy going home and watching TV, that's how I wind down. Or I play Xbox, I'll play a game, I'll watch TV, whatever it is. That's how I wind down. Some people go home and take naps. And for some reason, going home and taking a nap is more acceptable than going home and just piling up in my spot on the couch and watching TV. And so I've been called lazy before. You don't do anything. No, I'm decompressing, like I'm unwinding. This is how I do things. I do the laundry, I do the things around the house, I do all the other things, but when I get home from work, maybe I wanna lay around. Maybe that's what I do enjoy doing on a Saturday. Not every Saturday, but maybe I wanna lay around. For someone who is active or maybe they have ADHD and they can't sit still and they can't not be doing something. For them, it's just crazy that you can sit there and do nothing. Maybe they are just a terrible person, I wanna call you names. Either way, using language like that, that you're lazy or you're not ever going to amount to anything, you're never gonna be good enough, those kind of things can get to somebody pretty quickly. If you're comparing your partner to other people, if you say, you know, you're not as smart as my ex or, well, my last girlfriend or boyfriend did this, maybe you should go be with them. That's gonna be my response. 
kick rocks, motherfucker. And there's a reason you're not with them. Maybe they did do these things, but they obviously didn't do some of these other things that were actually more important to you. But it's just those little language things that people are using to be hateful, to say terrible things. Well, your boobs aren't as big as hers or your dick isn't as big as it. Whatever you're saying that's mean, that's a personal attack, that in the scheme of the relationship, it really probably doesn't mean anything because there's all these other things that are great. If you say these things in fights, in in communication, in whatever, it really is going to put up some some problems for you. Calling your partner names, stupid, lazy, bitch, asshole, or or worse. It can't even be more of a personal attack. And, and you may have heard those other words and been like, well, that's a pretty personal attack. If they have a terrible relationship with someone in their family, their mother, their father, or whatever, and when they do a certain something and you call them by that name, that's really bad. That's worse than any other name you could probably call them because of these personal issues that they have with that family member. If you're putting people down, if you're saying you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough, you're not going to find someone like me, you're replaceable. I had a client tell me that when him and his wife would fight, he would say, I can find pretty and smart anywhere. I don't need you. Yeah, it didn't go over well. I can tell you they're not still together. Sometimes you have to be really mindful about what you're saying and hurt people hurt people. And when you're feeling hurt and when your feelings are hurt or something has gone on, you may want to go for that jugular. You may want to go for that personal attack. But if this is someone that you want to be with in the long run, none of these behaviors that we're going to discuss are going to get you there because it's going to put up some roadblocks that you can get through. Why put them up? Just fight fair. Say what you mean, but don't be mean when you say it. And it's important to note that when we're talking about criticism, criticism isn't always bad. You know, there is actually good criticism. You can give someone constructive ideas and and talk to them about things that you need. But when you're doing that, you're not saying it in a hateful way. You're going to approach it in the, you know, I really don't like it when you do X, Y, Z instead of, Why are you doing it like that? No one's ever done it like that before. Distinctly different results. So it's important that you choose your language very rationally. When you're in a fight with someone, when you're arguing, arguing rarely gets you anywhere. It's part of relationships. I think everyone has little arguments. And it's how you handle those. Not getting mean and not criticizing is a good way to get in the habit of communication. When we're talking about the next horseman, we're going to talk about contempt. And verbal contempt can include things like sarcasm, name calling, mocking, put downs. You know, there's a lot of things in criticism that are are the same as contempt. But with contempt, you're really being just hateful. It's the you're so stupid or you're never going to amount to anything kind of things. You're a slob. Nonverbal contempt can include things like eye rolling, sneering. If your partner starts talking about something that's important to them or they're bringing up, hey, we need to have this conversation and you look at them and you're like, what? You've just upset them because you're being dismissive. And that really can breed a lot of contempt for someone. It can make them, you know, feel less special. It makes them feel like what they have to say is not important to you. And you are making it clear that what they have to say is not important to you. You could also have disrespectful body language. This includes turning away from your partner, crossing your arms, not looking at them, playing on your phone. You know, if you're like really having that conversation and and your person's like, okay, talk, 
and then they get on their phone and start playing around, come on. You're being dismissive. You're being really rude to your partner. And if this is someone that you, again, care about, you should pay attention to what they have to say. And if your partner is not listening to you and they're doing these behaviors, then they may not really care about you in the way that you need them to care about you. They may not know how to care about you. It's important to look for these behaviors because they are red flags. They are things that will ruin your relationship in the long run if it's not worked on. If someone is mocking you, if you're crying and they're like, oh my God, you're so sad. <laughs> oh, why, why are you doing that to a person you care about? Like that's childish and it's hurtful. If someone is having an emotion, it's going to bring that contempt. You're going to make that person have contempt for you. And you're showing that you may possibly have contempt for them. And the fact that you're being so disrespectful. Sarcasm is also a form of verbal contentment that's often used. You know, if you partner tells you that they're sorry for something, and they seem sincere, then you say, Ugh, sure you are. Then they're gonna be like, oh, fuck it, I ain't saying I'm sorry anymore. Screw you then. I'm not. You're right. I'm not. And then you get into this battle of words and it's just it's just terrible. It's important that we are mindful of how we're saying things, what we're saying to people. Can a couple that has gotten to that point of contempt mm-hmm. pull out of that? Because it almost feels like once you're at that point, it's too late. Is that... <laughs> A lot of times it is, you know, a lot of times people come in and they're at that. A lot of couples never seek therapy until they're done and they want the therapist to tell them they're done. However, if you get to that point where you're just like, ew, how did we get here? I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk to each other like this. Then I think there are ways to, to get out of it. I think there are ways that a couple can stop and be mindful about their words and set up those communication things. Another podcast, Contempt contempt a whole podcast just on contempt and you could I mean it's easy to get into that behavior it's easy to be in the habit of talking to each other terribly listen if you're with someone they're gonna get on your nerves at some point and you're gonna think things in your head and you may be like oh my god here we fucking go but your face and your body should be I'm listening what do you need from me? How do I fix it? And that should be your actual mindset. And if you're doing that, then they're going to stop having to talk about it. If you're working on something that your partner brings up, then they're going to stop talking about it because you're going to work on it. And it's about giving that grace to if you are in a relationship and you are working on it and you notice that you have these behaviors and you guys have decided to work on it, then you have to give that grace. When you're in the habit, when someone says, oh, that hurt my feelings, your knee-jerk reaction may be, of course it did. Everything I do hurts your feelings. And you may actually say it even, but then you have to be accountable and be like, you know what? That wasn't nice. That was old stuff. Let's talk about it differently. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. What can we do? How do I do better? And then the other person may be like, you know what? You're right. It's kind of dumb. I shouldn't have got my feelings hurt by that. But we get in these habits of looking for things that the other person is doing. Well, you said this and you said, and then you get in this tit for tat and it's just so toxic. But so important to not engage in that. If you have a partner that wants to fight, that may be their norm. That may be what they know. That may be how they were raised. Chaos and dysfunction may be how love was shown. And if you don't engage in that, it can really throw them off like I am not a fighter I was a fighter I was in a very toxic relationship for a long time and I became that person that's screaming at their partner and I'm like who is this I don't even know who this is I stopped that and now I won't fight I'm not gonna fight with you 
I'm not going to engage. If you hurt my feelings, I'm going to tell you that hurts my feelings. I'm not going to be hateful. I'm not going to engage. And for some people, they take that as like, well, you don't care. No, I care. That's why I don't want to fight with you. That's why I'm not saying terrible things. That's why I'm not on your ass about something that has hurt my feelings. I've told you it hurt my feelings. You know it hurt my feelings. Now it's on you. And if you don't fix it, then it's on me to decide if this is where I want to be. Do I want to be with someone that's not going to fix it? It's really important to know what your limits are and where you are and how you want to communicate and then bring that into the relationship. One of the other horsemen that comes along with all of these, they all play off each other, is defensiveness. And it's real easy to be defensive. We all get defensive when someone says something that hurts our feelings. It's human nature. You're going to get defensive because someone hurt your feelings or they called you out on your bad behavior, whatever it is. So your first reaction is, uh-uh, I didn't say it that way. You heard me wrong. I was running late. I didn't think it was that important to you. There's always an excuse. It's natural to get defensive. Like, we're going to get defensive. It's how you handle that defensiveness. Don't come at me, bro, because I'm going to come back. Actually, I won't, because I don't care. I'll be like, really? This is your response? It's one of those things that if you get in the habit of always having an excuse, always being defensive, always the over explaining well I had to do this and then I had to do that and then I had to and this is why I didn't just say you're sorry just say you know what my bad I didn't get it done I said I was gonna do it and I didn't do it I will do it this time xyz or I really am not gonna have time to get it done I thought I would and that's why I told you I would but I'm really not gonna have time can it be postponed can you do it this time and then I'll put it on my schedule whatever it is but that defensiveness is just icky And it gets really old when you're the partner who's trying to do things or asking their partner to do something and their partner always has an excuse for why they're not doing it. And then that other partner starts picking up all the slack and doing all the things. And then that breeds contentment because you're not doing anything and pulling your weight. And so it it really is kind of a vicious, vicious cycle that you can get into when you're not communicating well. One of the other defensive strategies, which is also one of the horsemen, is stonewalling. And it's when you really just shut down on your partner. And it can be physically shutting down where you may be sitting beside him and you're not talking anymore. You've just really tuned them out. You may leave the conversation. You could walk away. You may be giving one word answers. Yep. Okay. Okay. They're really trying to have a conversation with you. Okay. Whatever. And they're getting madder and madder and you're sitting there going, whatever fine. Then there's a big fight because then somebody starts yelling usually. You could also change the subject. That's one of the ways that someone will stonewall is the, well, you did this, and then they turn it back around. Well, you, but you, no, no, no. We're not talking about what I did. Let's stay on topic because maybe I did do something that hurt your feelings. Maybe I did do something that wasn't appropriate, but in this moment, we're talking about what I'm feeling and expressing that to my partner. And that's how it should really be. Again, we don't get into this tit for tat. We're not trying to one up on who did the worst thing to each other. Because in some conversations with some people, you may say, you did this and it hurt my feelings. And they're going to say, well, you did this and did it. And it could be something from weeks ago that they never talked to you about, that they never brought up, that you had no idea about. And now we're down the rabbit hole, which is also a kind of a gaslighting thing. It's also a way of manipulating. It's changing the topic off of me because I'm defensive now and I don't want to talk about what I did onto you, the person who brought up the fact that their feelings were hurt. You want to stay on topic and you want to give that person that time and not tune them out. If you're not in a space to have the conversation, then you can say, hey, listen, you know what? 
this sounds like it's important to you. I am just not in the headspace for it. I need a break. I need to go do something else. I need to clear my head. It was a really rough day at work and I'm not in the best mood. If we talk about this, I'm afraid it's not going to go well. So there's ways that you can, you know, work around having those conversations in that moment. You may act busy when your partner is trying to talk to you instead of saying, listen, I'm actually not in a good place. Maybe they start talking to you and you get up and start doing something else or whatever. It's a form of stonewalling. If you don't want to have the conversation at that time, tell your partner you don't want to have the conversation at that time. However, if you do that and we're going to talk about this again, you have to come back to it. You cannot just leave your partner in the lurch when they want to talk about something. And then one of the other things that I want to add to this is it's not one of the horsemen, but it is something that has kind of gained a lot of traction in the last few years. You know, the chicks have a song about it. And it's about gaslighting. And gaslighting is very, very real. It's a very toxic, abusive trait that a lot of people have. It actually came from a movie where a husband was manipulating his wife into thinking that she had a mental illness. He had rigged the lights to come on and off. He was doing all these other things and then saying, nothing of that's happening. I mean, he's sitting there while it's happening and she's I he- I'm hearing these things. I'm seeing these things. He's like, that's not happening. What are you talking about? You're crazy. That's not happening. That's where the term actually comes from. It can be used in a lot of different ways. One of the things about gaslighting is, you know, just like the movie, which is actually pretty good, mind you, if you're if you're a black and white movie person, and it's just called Gaslight. One of the things about it is they start out whoever the gaslighter is, male or female, abusive behavior is not gender specific. Whoever it is starts out with the perfect relationship. They may even be the love bomber. They're going to do all the things, say all the things, make you feel happy and safe and loved. And then slowly, they're going to start chipping away at that. Slowly, they're going to make you believe that what is happening isn't happening or what you're feeling isn't real. They're going to use those techniques when you say, well, you said this to me. You told me we would do this or you said this or you did that. And they're going to say, I never did that. I never said that. What are you talking about? That conversation never happened. We never talked about this. And you're like, yes, I swear we did. And then you start doubting yourself. They may withhold and you may start a conversation and then they don't give you a response and you kind of keep talking, trying to get them to engage. And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That never happened. Or no, that that wasn't how that went down. You know, you didn't really feel that way. You're just confusing me. Why are you saying all of this at once? That doesn't even sound like something I would say. They're really going to make you feel like what you're saying isn't true or that you've forgotten. And, you know, as a human, as a person that's busy, as an adult, even, you know, kids, you may forget. There may be times where you sit back and you'll be like, did we talk about that? I swear we talked about it. You go back and you check your messages. You're search terming, trying to find if you talked about it. And it's like, I swear we, but maybe, maybe we didn't. And they're going to do that to you enough that you will question it. And you're going to start believing what they say as your faults. It's the, I never did that. Someone else to blame. It's, they're going to always blame someone else for it. 
well, you know, that wasn't me. That was your ex. That was this person. Or you're just thinking about a story that I told. And you may question them on something. Well, this seemed like you were doing this or this felt this way. And they're like, oh, that's just something you read. That's not real. That's made up. That's not a real thing. You can't do that. You know, you may find out that they're spying on you or they have your phone mirrored to theirs with some software or something. And they're like, oh, no, that's not real. People can't really do that. You know, you find a tracker on your car and they'll say, I don't know where that came from. You know, they may even go through the process of filing police reports and doing all these things because they know that they really can't be tracked back anybody. They know they're safe in it, but it makes you feel like you're crazy for believing it was them because they're doing all of these things to help you out. They also may use stereotypes in your relationship. This is one of those things that usually comes up in abusive relationships is if you're in a relationship with someone who may be a different class, a different race, different level, whatever it is, you know, they may be someone who's, because a lot of abusive people are very well known or they are stellar members of a community or any of those things. And they may be very, very abusive. And when you get to that point where you're done with it and you're sick of it, they're going to say things like, well, no one's going to believe you. No one will think I would do that. No one will believe you because you're a woman. No one will believe you because you're poor. No one will believe you because you're an ex-addict. No one will believe you because you are a current addict, because you're a sex worker. Sex workers have rights. They don't deserve to be abused. They deserve to have relationships. Maybe their partner's fine with them being a sex worker, which, hey, make your money. Be safe out there. But it does put put someone in a position to not be believed by law enforcement or to be told they're not going to be believed by law enforcement or authorities or whoever else they want to report to. And it can really lead to people staying very long term in these abusive relationships. If any of this sounds like something that you're dealing with or going through, it's important to have that conversation with your partner and see how willing they are to compromise, to change their communication style for you guys to work on it. There's all kinds of work books out there. There's therapy, there's counselors. There's so much therapy now that can be done online over Zoom, over video chats. There's all different types. And I've I've never used one, but I mean, I know there's three or four that I can think of off the top of my head that are like BetterHelp and Talkspace and some of the other ones that, you know, are, are out there that you can do from the comfort of your living room with your partner or by yourself. It's important to understand these things that are going on and then how you deal with them. And when we're talking about these types of abusive communication behaviors, it's important to let your partner know how you feel about it. If they're doing something, then tell them. People are not mind readers and it's not fair for you to be upset with your partner if they don't know why. And that's one of my main rules when it comes to my own relationships, my therapy sessions, when I'm dealing with couples is you don't get to be mad about something that they don't know about. They don't know about it until you sit down and say, hey, partner, XYZ bothers me. If you've been making little passive aggressive comments about it, if you've been hinting around about it, if you've been circling the drain, that doesn't count. They don't know. Maybe you're just a smart ass. Like I, by nature, communicate as a smart ass. I just do. It's part of my language. People that love me know that. Someone that may not know me, if, you know, I pop something off or said something just kind of smart-assy, they just may be just like, huh, whatever, and keep on moving because they think I'm joking about it. I mean, they may know that I'm a little upset by it, but not upset enough to talk to them about it. So it's not a big deal. It's important you set your partner down 
and say, hey, this bothers me. When you do this, it makes me feel whatever way it makes you feel. And what I need is this. Or I need you to help me come up with a solution. Because sometimes we don't know what we need. Sometimes we know that we don't like whatever is happening, but we may not know how to fix it. They may be able to help us with that. So you set them down and you talk to them. And then it's on them, whether they change the behavior or not. And if they choose not to change their behavior, then it's your choice next to either tolerate whatever behavior it is or leave that relationship. Because like we've said before, the relationship you're in is with the person that's in front of you, not the person they were, not the person you want them to be. It's with the person that is in front of you. So when you have those conversation and there's no change, then that is manipulation because manipulation is apology without change. And if someone is saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I'll do better. And then they never do better or they don't even try. Like if they're trying, give them grace because you've communicated it. You've come up with a way, you've come up with a path of how this is going to get better. But if they're saying, oh my God, they're so sorry. And then they do it and you say, hey, you did that thing again. And they go, oh yeah, I know. So you don't care that you did that thing again, then it's up to you. You either make the choice to stay or you leave. If you stay, then you're tolerating the behavior. If you stay, you're saying this behavior is okay with me for the rest of this relationship. It's your choice. But if you're unhappy with the behavior, you don't have to put up with it. It's really important to have that conversation with yourself. How important is this to me? Because sometimes it may be something that you just generally don't like. And you can say, hey, I really don't like that. Can you fix that? And they say, yeah, I'll work on it. And then they don't. And you say, hey, I thought you were going to work on it. They said, yeah, I, I really I really don't want to. It's just something I don't feel like I need to change. Maybe you're like, it's not that big of a deal. I can tolerate that. It's something minor. It's not something hurtful. It's not something destructful. It's just a pet peeve. I can plow through that. That's fine. If they're being mean to you, if they're being hateful, if they're being defensive and negative and calling you names and doing all those things, that is not anything you should stick around and tolerate because there's no reason for it. Because no matter what you believe you are, I'm telling you, you are worth more than however you're being treated in that situation. It's important that you recognize this is toxic behavior, this is manipulation, this is abusive, whatever it is, and figure out which way you wanna go with it. And it's just being respectful in that and being willing to compromise. You don't have to totally give up on your own needs because we all have needs in a relationship. You don't have to abandon all your needs for someone else. But you may can modify it. You may want something to be this way. I want them to text me 50 times a day and to call me every morning and every night. And they're like, listen, bro, I got a job. I got to sleep. I got to do these things. And you're like, okay, fine. But I want it. Like if you did it, I wouldn't hate it. And it's okay to, to compromise that because that's probably not really your need. You know, I'm watching 90 Day because as previously discussed, I watch trash TV all the time. There's a 90 Day the other way couple this season and they have to be on the phone constant, like literally constantly. And this dude, I don't remember where he's from and she's from one of the Asian company countries, I believe. They FaceTime literally all day. They leave it on while they sleep. They He took her like to the dentist appointment with him. While he's sitting around having dinner, she's on the phone and then he's on her phone and she's like, I don't trust him. She threw a fit because he was sitting next to a woman on the plane, like where you have assigned seats. And But she wanted him to change seats. But then she says, which by the way, all of that behavior is super toxic, like super toxic. Come on. That, it's just really bad. In one of her little side interviews, she says, oh, well, I pretend like I don't have service sometimes that 
the cell service went out or the Wi-Fi and I turn my phone off and go out with my friends. What? You know he's going to see, like, what? So if you're going to be one way, be one way. If you're going to be crazy and want to see your person on FaceTime all the time and say it's because you don't trust them, then you have to be that way too. You don't get to be a hypocrite, but it's about what behavior can you tolerate? And they were both okay with being on the phone all the time, which to me is just crazy. That may be a little too much compromise, but it worked, I guess, until he gets over there. I don't know. He hasn't gotten there yet, so we'll see what turns out. You know, the other thing that we talked about earlier is when you're in those communications and when you're in those kind of heightened emotional states, someone may be wanting to take a break. And almost in every relationship, there's a pursuer and a withdrawer, if that's the right word. I don't know. There's someone that wants to withdraw. There's someone that always wants to pursue. There's somebody that wants to finish it right then. Let's talk, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. And then the other person's like, hold on, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get my footing. I gotta regroup. If I say something now, it's gonna be hateful. I don't wanna fight with you. But that other person really, 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 really wants to talk at that point. Because what has happened in their anxious attachment style is people abandoned conversations and they never got resolved. If you're with someone who is one or the other. For one, you need to know what you are. You may be the pursuer. You may be the person that wants to withdraw. You have to communicate that. And if you are the withdrawer, then the best way to communicate it is, listen, I know that right now you really, really want to talk about this because this is important to you. And I understand it's because of X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Your feelings got hurt because of this and you really want to talk about it right now. But I'm feeling super defensive. And if I say something, it's probably gonna be something shitty and that's not gonna benefit us. So what I need is to go chill out. I need to take a break. I need to go watch TV. I need to read a book. I need to go out to my man cave. I need to go to the she shed. I need to have a drink, whatever it is that calms you down. And after I do this, I'll come back and we will talk about it in an hour, in two hours, whatever it is. But you give that person a time frame and you stick to that because this pursuer is chomping at, they are the racehorse in the gate. They are waiting. They are waiting. They want to talk about it right now. And they're trying to give you that time. But if you don't come back to it, you're never going to get that time again. Now they're going to say, nope, Last time you did that, you didn't come back. Last time we never finished this conversation. You left and did whatever you did and we didn't finish it. So we're talking about it right now. And then you're going to get a fight. It's really important if you're in that relationship and you want to be in that relationship, you have to know first what your needs are. What do I need out of these conversations? What do I need from my partner? And then you need to know how to communicate it in a healthy way that they understand. They may not be the most emotional person. So you may need to bring down the emotion and explain it in more of a logical way to them. And vice versa. You may be a super logical black and white. Why are you even upset? Like this doesn't even make sense why you're upset by this. You got to tune into that part of you that's like, okay, I don't understand it, but it made you upset. And I want to fix that. So how do I do better? Those are just little ways that when you start to open that door of better communication and learning yourself and your partner, then you can move forward through some of this negative stuff and all of these, you know, conversations that just tend to go bad. I hear a lot of people say, every time we talk, we fight. Okay, why? What is it getting to? Who's saying what that's sparking that flame, causing the explosion? And how do we stop that? How do you bring that down to where you can talk about something and it's not a fight? You can have 
a conversation that's not a confrontation. And some people really struggle to find the difference. And if you're one of those couples or you're or you're that person and you just want to learn to communicate better, it starts with you. And if you can't figure it out, then you do seek help. You do find that professional. You do find that therapist or whoever can help you work through how you say things. It may be a trusted friend that you say, listen, I'm I'm giving you free game. What is wrong with me? Why do I communicate bad? What do I do? What do you notice? And accept that criticism and take it for what it is. You know, you may never change anything, but you may be able to say, you know what, you're right. I do kind of do that. I've never really noticed that because it's probably part of your operating system. And until someone else calls us on it, However we operate is normal to us. When we're talking about relationships, when we're talking about all these things, it really starts with who you are and how you communicate. And if we're not communicating in a healthy way, then we're not going to have healthy relationships. For my producer, Jay Lindley, I'm Leslie Ross. Thank you all for joining us. Please send any questions or comments through the website, heytherapist.com or email help at heytherapist.com. They may be featured on the show anonymously. Hey Therapist is an SEOK radio production and is for your entertainment purposes only. Thank you for joining us. Make good choices.